1: Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler.
2: Welcome to Leadership Development News, hosted by Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Dr. Relly Nadler. I'm Allison Childs with the Center for Creative Leadership. Kathy and Riley have helped thousands of people like you become better performers, managers, and leaders with their unique approaches to coaching. Dr. Riley Nadler is a Master Level Certified Executive Coach with the International Coaching Federation. A psychologist, corporate leadership, and team trainer, Dr. Nadler brings his expertise and emotional intelligence to all his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and training. Dr. Nadler's Leaders Playbook provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers. For more information and free tools by Relly Nadler, go to www.truenorthleadership.com. New York Times bestselling author Kathy Greenberg wins hearts and minds around the world with her internationally acclaimed books on the new science of happiness, including What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Working Mothers Know. Kathy is available for a variety of consulting and coaching programs where you can learn to apply her unique happiness equals profit business formula. For more on Kathy's coaching, tools, consulting, and keynote speaking, go to www.H2CLeadership.com or www.WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com for free tips and downloads.
3: Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Rayleigh Nadler. We have my co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, also on the show today. And she'll be on in just a moment. We'll bring her on. But between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. You know we always feature great folks that we try to interview and try to mix it up to get a lot of different viewpoints for the leaders out there. And today we have Carol Furlinger. She is the co-author of Her Place at the Table, A Woman's Guide to Negotiating Five Challenges to Leadership Success. It's just uh, coming out now in uh, soft cover. It was out in hardcover in 2004, but the brand new soft cover is coming out uh, October 4th. And you can go to Amazon.com under the title and uh, look for that. Mm-hmm. She also has co-founded Negotiating Women Inc., which provides practical skills training for women who can use to be used immediately to be more successful at work. And I'm really excited about hearing what Carol has to say, and let me just take a moment to introduce my uh, esteemed co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg. Kathy coaches uh, executives and entire companies on the application. She has a proven happiness equals profit formula and strategies. Dr. Greenberg is a co-founder of the renowned executive consultancy, H2C, which stands for Happy Companies, Healthy People And the author of multiple bestsellers and a much demanded conference speaker. So, Kathy, welcome to the call.
4: Thanks, Raleigh. Today is going to be an exciting show uh, for a number of reasons. But uh, one, because I have actually had the experience of being in the room with Carol Frolinger when she did a program for women in cable telecommunications uh, with us uh, last year, and it was just wonderful. And I know she's going to be terrific. And everybody who's listening, male or female people who are working or thinking about getting back to work, uh, folks who are looking for exciting coaches to help grow their skills are going to really enjoy today's program. But before we get into why we do the show, I want to introduce Dr. Relly Nadler, who you've been hearing for the last few minutes. And Relly is a master level certified executive coach. He is a psychologist, a corporate leadership and team trainer, and Dr. Nadler brings his expertise in emotional intelligence to all of his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and training. Dr. Nadler's Leaders Playbook provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers in your organization. And as you know, Relly and I want to bring you the best in current leadership topics, interviews with proven leaders, and provide evidence-based best practices to help you develop more leaders, including yourself, in your organization. And we all know that leaders are truly the heartbeat of any organization, but we also know that most leaders will really, well, they tend to underestimate just how much influence they have over others, and as a result, they can underperform, and as a result of their underperforming, it actually flows over into the team. But doing just a few things differently can really improve your performance and your organization. And as you know, if you're a regular listener here on Leadership Development News, Relly and I like to deliver on-time results, and you will learn something in each and every show. Today, we're going to talk about gender and behavior differences in negotiating, not only for yourself but your company. And we're going to listen to an expert on the subject, but in many other shows, We talk about how to develop more leaders in your organization, what happy companies know about performance and what you should know, too, and also something about emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies to be your best, as well as brain and neuroscience contributions to top performance, something about work-life balance practices, strategies for managing your boss, and self-management tools to be your best all the time. And, of course, today we're going to be welcoming Carol Frolinger. But before we do, Relly, could you talk about why we believe leadership development is important and why it actually is a science?
3: Thanks, Kathy. And, uh, you know, our listeners we always like to at least give you some of this evidence-based information, Uh, really pulled from a variety of different sources, but the focus of leadership development news is on leaders, and the reason it's on leaders is that we know that leaders have anywhere from 50 to 70 percent influence over the climate of their team. That's some research from the the Hay Group has promoted. We also like to say that the leader is the emotional thermostat for the team, and that's because emotions are contagious. So whatever the emotions are that the leader has, that are, those emotions are the most contagious, and everybody else um, meets those, whether it's if they're irritated, stressed out, that's how the team's going to be. If they're calm, cool, collected, typically that's how a team's going to be. One of the keys, though, is to get you and your folks into the top 10%. It's a tipping point of sorts, meaning that when you get to the top 10%, people who are, are there are twice as valuable to the bottom line as managers, leaders, in the 89th to the 11th percentiles. So getting someone into the top 10% has a major, major payoff. And a few ways to get people into the top 10% is to focus on these emotional intelligence competencies when compared to uh, how smart someone is or their technical expertise. The further someone moves up the ladder, the more they need those kind of experiences. Both Kathy and I are certified coaches, and we know... um, when you bring coaching along with training you get more of a productivity boost some of the research says training alone is about twenty two percent increase if you add coaching to it it's about eighty eight percent increase and you can bring coaching networks into your organization in just a day kathy and i have the uh, excel program that you can contact us about about some of the specifics about bringing a coaching and a coaching focus into your organization if you want more information about uh... kathy Her website is www.h2cleadership for her happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership and coaching services. My website is www.truenorthleadership.com for emotional intelligence, uh, books, free assessments, speaking keynotes, leadership and coaching boot camps. So Kathy, if you wanted to give us maybe a little bit more expanded uh, intro, we can say hi to Carol.
5: I would love it. Carol, are you with us? I certainly am. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a delight, and
4: we're so excited because I know everybody's going to learn from you today, and I will learn as well. And I think there's nothing more than learning something new that you can apply to help yourself. So, without further ado, welcome to Carol. And your Carol, am I pronouncing your name correctly? You are Kathy. Okay, great. And please feel free to correct or adjust us uh, as we go through the program. We're very informal. Um, Just for those of you who are not familiar with Carol's work, I'm going to just uh, go through some highlights of her background, but please feel free to go to Carol's site, which is uh, Negotiating Women, Inc. Carol, can you give us your website, please? Certainly. It's www.negotiatingwomen.com. Great. And those who want to follow along with us and take a look at Carol's uh, very exciting and, uh, and I want to say, well-architected website will enjoy that as well. But Carol is the co-author of Her Place at the Table, A Woman's Guide to Negotiating Five Key Challenges to Leadership Success, another Josie Bass, John Wiley book. And as we said, you can pre-order the new paperback, the brand-new paperback, and it will be available on October 4th from Amazon as, uh, as well. Uh, Carol is also the the co-founder of Negotiating Women, Inc., which provides practical skills training women can use immediately, as we love to stress in all of our shows, to be more successful at work. And I would imagine, Carol, as we go through this, it's also going to help them be more successful everywhere.
5: (laughs) Um, Absolutely. Great.
4: (laughs) Carol gives talks to groups and organizations who understand that promoting and retaining talented women is a win-win-win it's good for women it's good for men and it's good for the bottom line and she shares stories and lessons learned from the thousands of women she has helped to become more successful at work by negotiating more effectively with clients and colleagues bosses and boards known for her energy and informal style carol's speaking includes audiences at microsoft j p morgan chase the Healthcare Business Women's Association, PricewaterhouseCoopers, the Principal Financial Group, the New York State Bar Association, and the National Association of Women Lawyers. Carol's advice has been featured by NPR, Martha Stewart Living Radio, and the New York Times, among other mainstream media. She is also frequently interviewed by publications serving the legal and accounting professions. Additionally, Carol has contributed articles to Women Legal Magazine, and The Complete Lawyer, among others. Carol is an affiliated faculty member of the Simmons School of Management. Carol is a former sales executive in her own right, commercial banker, and practicing attorney. She holds a JD, which as many of you know is a degree for legal professionals from Fordham University School of Law and is admitted to practice before New York and federal courts. In 2008, Carol was honored by the International Alliance for Women with its World of Difference Award, as well as being named to Top 50 Most Influential Women list by the Irish Voice. She was appointed to the New York State Bar Association's Committee on Women in the Profession in 2007 and serves as co-chair of its Best Practices Subcommittee. Carol also volunteers her time to the Interorganizational Network ION, which consists of 12 regional organizations located across the United States. The project is focused on increasing the number of women on the boards of America's publicly held companies. Carol lives in New York City with her husband and is the proud parent of a daughter and a son. And she loves to blog at her blog, HTTP, the, I think it's the thethinpinkline.com blog. So welcome to the show, Carol. Thank you so much.
3: So, Carol, we've got a, a list of questions that we'd like to ask folks, and then we're just going to uh, walk through through this. And, and feel free to uh, maybe this one. We've got to, just a couple minutes before break, but we'll just get started. Uh, is it true that negotiators are born, not made?
5: That's a terrific question. You know, it's interesting because I think the the right answer um, to that question is that the great negotiators are both born, but for those of us who weren't born that way, um, we can also be made. And it really takes focus and determination to realize that, you know, negotiation is and can be a learned thing skill. And I will tell you, um, I'm sure your experiences, uh, both Kathy and Relly, bear this out, that when people really focus and have good information and good coaching about how to develop skills, um, it's really amazing what they can do. I would definitely
4: echo that. I think that um, knowing that we have the capacity to do something better is so important. And I just want to ask one more question. Um, about your background, which is not on the list, but it's a standard question we ask all of our guests, and that is, who is most influential in your life, Carol, who have shaped who
2: you've become?
3: You know, uh, Kathy, maybe we, we can have uh, Carol answer this in just a minute because I know we're at our first break. And So, Carol, can you ho- hold on to that for just a moment, and we'll be right Absolutely. back.
5: Absolutely. Thank you.
3: This is Leadership Development News.
1: when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is one 866 472 Now, let's get back to the show.
2: Welcome back to
4: Leadership Development News. We're speaking with Carol Frolinger, who is one of the co-founders of Negotiating Women, Inc., and a co-author of her place at the table. Carol, before we went to break, I wanted to uh, ask you a question, and um, it's something that we ask all of our guests, and, and something that truly has meaning for people who are interested in leadership as we all are, and that is who has been most influential in shaping you, who you've become as a, a successful individual, and, um, and if it's more than one person, that's great,
5: but we'd love to know how you've become you. Oh, my. Um, I would say that um, I've been very, very fortunate to have a number of important mentors in my life that have really encouraged me to um, follow, you know, the paths that for me would um, seemed very well paved, if you will. So I'd say the first person um, that I would definitely credit would be my mom, who is now almost eighty nine years old and uh still a very assertive and um, wonderful woman And her attitude was always, you know, there's a way to do something. You just have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And um, I would also say that, strangely enough, although it's now not as strange as it was before, but I would credit the Perry Mason show um, as also being a huge influence. And the reason I say that is that, On Sunday evenings I used to watch Perry Mason absolutely religiously and um, the skills that um, the character Raymond Burr who of course is the the actor who was involved demonstrated with regard to lawyering really inspired me to help get the good um, the justice done and um, since that time I knew I wanted to be an attorney. And so I realize now that, of course, since uh, Sonia Sotomayor has been confirmed as Supreme Court Justice uh, fairly recently as an appointee of President Obama's, that evidently she and I have that in common, because that's one thing that uh, she shared during her um, confirmation process in terms of her inspiration. So I, I think, remember that. That was very compelling. Right, right.
4: And for those so of us I, who are listening who remember the Perry Mason show, you know it
5: was something you didn't want to miss. Exactly. Uh and then, you know, in the work world I've had a very I've been very fortunate that I've had a number of people who've really um you know served as mentors, um, helping me to to really um you know understand what's important and to make sure that I always stay sort of grounded. And of course in the last um, you know, fifteen years uh, I've had my own business. I have been um, working for the last 10 with Dr. Deborah Kolb, who is probably the country's foremost expert on the subject of gender and negotiation. Mm. She is a um, distinguished Deloitte professor at the Simmons School of Management, and she's actually a senior fellow at the Program on Negotiation at Harvard Law School. And so while I know, I knew quite a bit, um, you know, going into my relationship with Dr. Kolb, uh, from a business point of view about negotiation, because I had done a lot of work in corporate America working with both men and women, I would say the expertise that I've developed since I've been working with her in the area of gender, um, I would definitely credit her with.
3: Okay. That's great. Well, I'm, I'm very interested in, in hearing this. Sounds like, uh, from way back from, from Perry Mason on, you've been very focused and, and, and also a uh, continual learner, just with the comments that you're making working with Dr. Kolb. So, uh, with that, Carol, what would you say some of the unique challenges uh, are that women face when they negotiate in the workplace?
5: Well, you know, it's interesting, really, because um, Debbie and I just, um, as you mentioned, the, the book, uh, Her Place at the Table. It will be released in paperback um, very shortly, and in preparation for the revision, we um you know not only had to update a number of things that were completely out of date um, that we had used in the book uh, when we originally published it in two thousand and four, but we also wanted to update all of the research that we had included in the introduction to the book about gender in the workplace. And so, um, you know, sadly, um, the, the the bottom line answer is that women are still um, not necessarily playing on an equal playing field in the workplace. There are lingering questions about their suitability uh, for leadership, and I say this, uh, you know, with the with the uh, caveat that this is not that men are asking these questions alone, but that the reality is that the research shows that both men and women have these sort of lingering questions about women and leadership and how they women should behave in the workplace. So we're up against some challenges that our male colleagues are not. Hmm. It's funny that you that you say
4: that and I kind of have a little knot in the back of my throat because we keep talking about the playing field and the questions that people have about women in the workplace and certainly as one of those I get it and Riley works with some pretty outstanding women who I'm sure get it. Um, But would you also say that there are some common mistakes that women continue to, to make um, that might uh, kind of continue this unequal playing field or the questions? And, and what is the most common mistake um, the women you interviewed made?
5: Well, you know, I do think that um, just for a second to go back to the unique challenges um, question, uh, that, you know, when, when women negotiate, um, the expectations of, of the other party, whether they're, the other party is male or female, is that women will negotiate in a certain way. And um, so that's sort of the uphill battle. And I think that then ties into the common mistakes um, that women make in that women are expected to behave in a, and I use the word in quotes, ladylike sort of way whether it's in their personal lives or in their professional lives. You know, women who are assertive can be considered aggressive or a a word that doesn't even begin with A, but rather with B. And so it becomes um, very challenging because the other alternative is to be collaborative. And if you're a woman and you're negotiating in the context of a difficult business environment, those who are collaborative can really be seen as weak and wimpy, and the question then becomes, you know, is she really tough enough um, for this business? So I would say that, you know, the most common mistake that women make is not recognizing that the playing field is not equal and preparing themselves for the negotiation. And I'm a big believer in preparation for negotiation, regardless of of sex, but I mean, I, I think that particularly for women, when they're negotiating things that are important to them personally, that um, you know, failing to plan is a plan to fail.
3: Well, that's uh, excellent to hear. To hear you say that, because just from the the idea of influence and and looking at some of the key competencies of people with greater influences, exactly what you're what you're saying is how do you how do you plan for the objections? You know, what's going to be the reaction of what I'm going to say? And I think people who are good at that, I imagine, like, like yourself, you know, you go through a whole um, planning, if not kind of role play about, okay, how do we, how do we meet these objections? What are they going to say? How are we going to respond? What's our second question? What's their follow up to that? All that.
5: Absolutely, really. I mean, I think that um, you know the re- the research is quite clear that. Um, It's one thing to know what you're going to say, and it's another thing to get the words out of your mouth. (laughs) So I encourage people absolutely not only to try to anticipate, which most of the time you can, the the challenges or the pushback that you'll get um, during a negotiation, but actually to role-play with someone that you trust, the act of getting the words out of your mouth. And if you don't have someone that you know, was willing or able to do that with you. There's always a tape recorder.
3: You know, how many people do you think, like what percent of people would actually do that? Because in my sense, it's such a small percentage, even though we all know that's a best practice. From your experience and people you work with, do you? how many of them really go through a dry run and role play those things?
5: A minute. I wouldn't want to venture a guess because I don't have the data, but I would say a minute amount. Um, But I do think that, you know, those who... Um, negotiate the same types of issues over and over again are the people that um, you know are most not only experienced but expert at it because it's the same process. And so you know um, yeah. the uh, the fact that you know you've you've had that feeling, you've heard those words being said before, in an attempt to. Uh, force you to give a concession. I mean, whatever the the particular situation is makes us a lot better than most of us normally are when we don't prepare. And I don't know about you, but I know um, uh, many people have experienced what I describe as a V-8 moment. And so that's when you walk out of the room Uh or finish the conversation and you, you know, say, oops, I could have had a V-8. All of a sudden, you're brilliant. You have all the answers to whatever it is that stumped you in the moment, But of course, the problem is it's a little too late for that healthy vegetable juice drink.
4: So Carol, going back to um, the question that that I had asked about some of the common mistakes that that women you interviewed made, I heard something there about planful anticipation and practice. Uh, What are some of the other things that you think women do? Because I I have an opinion on that myself.
3: You know, um, and Carol, if, if you can uh, hold, hold that thought just for a minute, are Kathy's questions, we're going to have to go to another break. And this is Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back.
1: Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here.
0: For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or, for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
4: a lovely conversation here with uh, Carol Folinger, who is the co-author of um, Her Place at the Table. And we were talking about common mistakes that women might make based on interviews that you had conducted, Carol, for the book. And as a woman who is a very assertive woman, I think I, I would fall into that category. I mean, I can be collaborative when it's appropriate. Uh, but I'd really be curious to know what some of these mistakes are because I, I I have some opinions about them myself. I've seen them, I've done them, I've made them, and I would love to hear your, your position on
5: this. Absolutely. Well, I think, um, you know, there are a number of mistakes that women tend to make, uh, generally speaking. And I always like to give the disclaimer because, obviously, you know, not all women, not all the time. Um, but, you know, having said that, there are some things that I think we can, um, we can sort of point to from our own personal experiences, as you suggest, Kathy. Um, one of them is that oftentimes, um, women having been socialized to, um, not to brag or to, um, have too large an ego. Sometimes we see only our weaknesses and rather than our strengths, and this is particularly important for women in compensation uh, negotiations, we tend to think about what we don't have rather than what we do have. And so we can very quickly set our sights too low, um, and that, of course, hurts us not only in the initial um, sort of negotiation, but then. As you know, compensation raises, for example, are generally built on um, the number. Then it hurts us throughout our careers. So, so absolutely setting our sights too low um, is is one thing that we can do. Um, another is failing to negotiate for the resources that we need to do the job. Oftentimes, um, you know, we are put in situations, leadership roles where they don't have the resources, whether they be budget, human capital, whatever it is required. And many of the women that I've worked with have said to me, such as, well, you know, I know they probably won't give me resources right now, but what I'll do is a fabulous job, and then they'll give me the resources. Hello. But okay. people give you resources when you've already proven that you can do without them. So I'd say those are two of the most common.
4: Yeah, and I would not only agree with that, but I would say given um, circumstances, sometimes often women will play the, and I'd love your opinion or reflection or feedback, they'll play the friendship game too often and say, you know, you're my friend. I thought you would support me on this. When in fact, they might not have had the skills or the experience be in a role that they thought they should be
5: so let me just clarify Kathy are you talking about people who are in roles that they're they don't have the competency to do successfully Uh, they do um, let's let's say yes to your
4: question for the simplicity of, of answering my question so essentially I'm saying You have some skills and you have some competence in an area, but you have overestimated your ability to do something. And because someone in a leadership role who has the decision-making capacity is your friend, you assume that they're going to take your position and and get you in there.
5: Mm, Interesting. Um, I don't know that I'd agree with that. I think what tends to happen is that oftentimes women are less, Likely to assert themselves without the requisite experience. So in other words, my experience has been that women sometimes say, well, you know, I might have three out of the four competencies that are needed for that role, but I don't have the fifth one, and therefore I won't ask for it. And again, this is all, you know, um, generally speaking, but generally speaking, men tend to worry about the details later, raise their hands and say, I can do that, and recognizing that, you know, there's never such a thing as a perfect fit for any job. People will have certain parts of the role that they're quite experienced in doing um, versus the ones that, you know, they'll need to develop um, sort of on the ground. Interesting, I don't know if you had a chance, either of you, to read the uh, Harvard Business Review article this month. That focuses on, I think the title is, um, Why Women Don't Get Promoted. And the premise of the article is that in order to be successful in corporate America, not only do you need a mentor, but you need a special kind of mentor that they, that they, uh, describe in the article as a sponsor who Mm -hmm. will do, Kathy, exactly as you just suggested. Take a look at you as, um, potential. And pull you up mm-hmm. into That's terrific. the next ranks. Yeah. yeah, no, I that, agree with that. that. Is
4: really hard. I yeah. agree with that. I, I just wanted to say that that um, one of the experiences that I've had as a, a managing partner in a large firm is often I will have women who I have befriended uh-huh. who come to me when a position is open, uh, or, or you know,
5: historically speaking,
4: and when I say. Look, I think you know another year of this, and you'll mm-hmm. be ready. And they, you know, that's it. My friendship's over. Oh, They're out the yes. door. It's you know, I didn't see them for who they were. And it's a, it's an amazing situation when you're sitting in the leader's position, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you see all these wonderful, talented people. So, so moving on, what are some of the most, um, I want to say, uh, different negotiating strategies that you have experienced between something like a car versus a salary or or contract in the workplace? Because there are different strategies, right, negotiating different ways.
5: Absolutely. Um, You know, I think that people oftentimes don't understand that, you know, there's such a thing as what I call a transactional negotiation. That's when you go in to buy a car. And, um, you know, unless you're a better person than I, what you're really looking for is the best car or the car that you want at the best price. And you're really not terribly concerned about your ongoing relationship with the car salesperson. Now, obviously, you want to have a pleasant interaction and you you don't, desi- you know, you want to have it, um, you know, be uh, uh Pleasant for both parties, and on the other hand, it's a completely different situation than when you're negotiating with a client, or you're negotiating with your boss, or even with a colleague. Because, or uh, on on the personal front, you know, your significant other, um, your children, your friends—these are people with whom you have ongoing relationships, and the negotiation, every negotiation that you have with in these relationship types of negotiations, I think if you are able to move the relationship to a a, a, a more, a stronger place, then you can certainly, um, you know, benefit from that. So I think recognizing up front that, you know, there are different types of negotiations then informs the strategy and the tactics that you would use.
3: So, Cal, I have a, just a follow-up question. Um, and I'm sure you've studied this you know, uh, a lot more than I have. But I've always been so curious about car salesmen and, and the strategy that they use. You know, I've been a psychologist, and, and, and times I've bought in cars, most of the time it's aversive. And most most people I know, you know, they hate doing that. But then why, I know it's changing somewhat, but why as a model would you say, you know, from a, being a negotiator, why are they continuing with that what appears to the person, you know, on the buying side to be aversive, why would they keep continuing with that? (laughs) What's behind that?
5: It's a great question. I just think it's, you know, um, habits, old habits are hard to break even if they're really bad habits. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and what I would say is that, you know, Saturn actually, um, you know, made its uh, marketing campaign all about right. the fact that you don't have to go in there and, and experience that yeah. adversarial relationship. And then, of course, you know, and it's almost a game, I think. Uh-huh. They think that everybody knows that, you know, you'll have the back and forth with the car salesperson, and then there'll be the manager conversation. And then, you know, um, once you come to a price, there'll be the, Special conversation in the, um, you know, in the office with the uh, whomever the person is described as is going to try to sell you the, you know, special code <laughs> for your tires, right,
3: right.
5: whatever else. And I think almost everyone knows that it's a game that you have to play. Uh-huh. And um, some people enjoy it, um,
3: right.
2: others
5: not so much.
3: Well, you know,
2: one...
4: that's it's fascinating, Raleigh, that you bring that up as an example. And Carol, this is an interesting uh, piece of data. For work that you're focused on, um, I recently bought a new truck,
5: uh-huh.
4: and um, I found out that the woman that I was working with uh, on the truck uh specialized in online uh car purchases. Um, at the dealership, and that totally changed the relationship immediately. But I found what was interesting was, while she was delightful and I enjoyed working with her, she kept talking to my counterpart, who was a man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it was interesting. So um, I, I guess what we'll do is uh, ponder that for a moment and ask, why is it in this day and age when you're purchasing something, even when you're working with another woman, they still look at the male counterpart when you're the mm-hmm. one who's going to write the check. So, sure. Um,
3: which is the last comment on that, and then we'll, we'll go to a break. Exactly. It, just from the psychological perspective, maybe there's more power in negotiation of, of having to go to the manager. Instead of the person in front of you, you know, there's that next level. They don't have to confront that. A good guy, bad guy type of thing. Um, you know, that's the only thing I can think about. And then the person who's kind of more the hard person you don't see typically because they're always in the back room.
5: Exactly. It's you know the car the 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 sort of the car dealership and the car purchase process is in my opinion um, the kind of situation traditionally um, that's given negotiations a bad name. Yeah, yeah.
3: (laughs) Well, so what we're going to do? We want to we want to get your points and and what gives negotiations a good name. uh, As soon as we come back from the break. So this is leadership development news, and we'll be right back.
1: Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll free at 1 866 472 5790. That number again is 1 866 472 5790. Now, Let's get back to the show.
4: Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're speaking to Carol Frolinger, who is co-author of uh, an exciting new paperback book, Her Place at the Table, A Woman's Guide to Negotiating Five Key Challenges to Leadership Success. And uh, you can pre-order that book right now for October 4th on Amazon.com. And um, we were talking to... Carol, about negotiating strategies and how they differ, uh, basically, when we think of something personal, Carol, right, like a negotiating for a car or um, something that we want repaired or customer service versus negotiating for salary or title or contract, and you were talking about transaction versus relationship, and I just wanted to follow up on that before we moved on. Sure. So um, when, when you're negotiating for something long-term, like a salary or a title or a contract, you have to focus on the relationship, I would assume, and not the transaction.
5: Absolutely. And, you know, what, I mean, I, I, I really feel so strongly that the ability to engage people, to find creative solutions to, um, to, to problems that you share and to think about the negotiation as transformational rather than, you know, a compromised type of negotiation where I start here and you start there and we sort of, you know, end up someplace in the middle. But to really engage the people with whom you're negotiating to sit on your side of the table and to put your heads together to come up with something that is a completely new way of solving the problem can really, really, really transform the relationship. People want to come back to negotiate again with people with whom they've had that
3: kind of experience. That's so true. So that's uh, a lot of what, Kathleen, I always talk about is, is building the relationship, you know, and, and we're talking about that now as an influence strategy. So on the other side, let's say you're, you're in a negotiation and you get stuck. And I guess get stuck that you're either confused or or your words are coming out or you're not sure where to go next. What what would you do? What would you tell our listeners?
5: Well, there are a number of strategies. We call um, we call them turns. How do you turn things around when mm. they're going south? Um, but I think the the simplest and most effective for many people is what we call um, interruption. And basically, um, it it can be as something as simple as just standing up and perhaps pouring yourself a cup of coffee or a glass of water or, um, you know, asking for a five-minute recess to, uh, to freshen up um, or perhaps to, to say, you know, I think we've come about as far as we can about this issue uh, right now, and I think what we should do is to think about it and, you know, agree to get back together again at whatever the appropriate time and and place is. The the benefit of interruption is that, um, first of all, you know, you're in a situation where even if you just do the the slight interruption, when you come back, you're never in the same place again. The group dynamic has shifted Mm -hmm. or the dynamic between just two of you. And, of course, obviously the uh, other benefit is that you have that moment when you are walking over to the water pitcher to actually think about what are your emotions doing and, um, you know, what what can you say next so that it gives you, as they say in negotiation speak, you know, it's sort of the idea of going to the balcony, Mm -hmm. removing yourself, and then looking at the situation, enabling you then to be more productive Mm -hmm. when you return to it.
3: I like that. And I think, you know, Kathy and I, we like to talk a lot about the brain neuroscience, and and I think what that's happening sometimes is is allowing your uh, prefrontal cortex, got logical reasoning and rationale, uh, you know, allow that to kind of turn on those lights in those moments when you're doing something different than being in the moment where you may be more emotional. Exactly.
4: So I want to ask a question because our time is getting short here, and uh, let me just make sure everybody also has your website again. Carol, could you please tell them the website where they can go and find out all about your work and uh, your company and the
5: new book? Certainly. It's com.
4: Thank you. Uh, one of the things that recently happened in uh, our Arizona um, race for the November 4th campaigns coming up, or actually November 2nd in this case, involved our current governor, Jan Brewer, when she had a 10- to 15-second brain freeze. And um, while it was newsworthy, everybody also compared the brain freezes that other leaders have had, including McCain and Bush, and I believe uh, even uh, our esteemed Senator uh, Hillary Clinton has had a, a brain freeze. But one of the other places that people... Can have some hiccups is when they get stuck in the moment. Um, what what can you do when you get stuck, and uh, what advice do you have for women when they're in that position?
5: Well, I think that other than the interruption that we just talked about, Kathy, um, I'm a big believer in transparency. I think that you know you can negotiate in um, in a way that allows your your individual personality to come through. And in in situations where people get stuck, I think one of the most authentic and clearest things to do is to say, you know, I need a a second just to to get my thoughts together here and admit it. And I think that, you know, very rarely will people hold it against you.
4: It, you're saying in the moment when you're in the room, I just need a, a minute, or do you actually leave and reschedule?
5: Well, I think, you know, it depends on how serious your brain I mean, if you're having a brain freeze because you can't think of a term or that, you know, you, you need to think about the implications of, um, you know, giving um, some uh, giving up on a particular issue, um, that, that you may be able to do that just in the moment. But if it has larger implications, and I think sometimes, you know, complex negotiations with lots of parties and lots of different issues, you probably do want to ask for a recess to be able to think through all of the uh, implications of a concession. I think one of the worst things people can do is feel pressured into agreeing before they're really comfortable that they've understood and thought about all of the implications of what they're agreeing to. Because once you've agreed, it's really hard to, um, to go back.
4: What if you're the person who's leading the negotiation uh, as a woman and you're dealing with somebody who has less experience with with these things, male or female? Is it okay for us to say maybe you want to think about this or maybe this is a good time to take a break, you seem a little confused or perplexed or or whatever good language we would use to figure that out?
5: I absolutely think that's a fabulous thing to do. I think that, you know, again, in these kinds of negotiations, better relationship negotiations, uh, you know, taking advantage, even if you're in a situation where you're able to do that because you're in the power seat or because you have more experience, is not a long-term strategy that encourages people to want to continue to do business with you. So I think it's a terrific idea. What what about, um, I'm just dying
4: to ask this question, what about when somebody isn't, Responding to you at all, and you just feel like you're talking to somebody, or over them, or through them, or around them.
2: <laughs> that, that
5: often happens, and they, you know, that rarely do they just completely ignore you. They just, um, but, but it can happen. But I mean, you know, uh, most of the time, what they do is they, they say things like, "Yes, we definitely have to talk about that. Not now, but when the time is right, never comes." Um, you know, that's a long conversation, but, but basically, you know, you either have to uh, turn up the heat, um, you have to, you know, help people to understand that the status quo can't continue. The better, um, and if you can do it, the, the more preferable approach is to show them the benefits for for them, to them, um, for negotiating with you and negotiating with you fairly. They get out of it. How will they be better off? And that generally tends to
3: bring them to the table. So, Kara, as we, um, you know, we're down to probably just a couple minutes, what can companies who are serious about attracting and retaining women to leadership roles, what, what can they learn from some of your research? And maybe you can also then highlight, you know, they can follow up with that in your book.
5: Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I think um, companies need to that attracting, uh, retaining, promoting women into leadership roles is something that they're, and processes and commitment to women make all the difference. I mean, one of the things that we talk about in the book is fact that, that many times people are, women are put into leadership roles, and the people who put them in the roles obviously want them to be successful, yet don't understand that just because you're put in a role as a woman means that you're going to get the respect you deserve. So the answer is a strategic introduction. So we, in the book, uh, and we work with companies all the time to help them to make people more aware of how they as, an or- they, as organizations, can support women to be successful. And clearly, you know, not only the women win, but their organizations win as well it's it's
4: fascinating i just love what you're doing and i just want to remind our audience we have your website at www.negotiatingwomen.com and your new paperback version of your great book her place at the table will be out october 4th and people can pre-order it now at amazon.com
3: so carolyn any uh closing words in the last uh minute here
5: Well, I want to thank both of you for um, a wonderful interview. I enjoyed talking with you, and I thought your questions were terrific. And I would say to the listening audience that, um, you know, kind of back where we started, if you don't think that you're a born negotiator, you can change that. Um, If you go to our website, negotiatingwomen.com, and look at the resources, not only are there articles that we've written, but um, there are some fabulous books on classic treatises and textbooks on negotiation, including the seminal work by Fisher and Urey, uh, Getting to Yes, that really talk about mutual gains negotiation. And um, if you're not good at it yet, you can be after you uh, put some time into it. So I encourage people to do that.
3: Well, that's wonderful. Well, thank you very much. And Carol, this has been great. And people can get, uh, get your book. Uh, you said it's at Amazon and it will be uh, available October 4th, and people can probably even pre-order it now if they want to get a uh, jump on it. So this, been, this has been Leadership Development News. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll speak to you again uh, next week.
1: You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers, with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern time and 9 a.m. Pacific time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.